in my entire career of being a con artist. I've never stole anyone's pensions, took anyone's personal money. My victims have always been companies, corporations. Yeah, I'm not justifying it, but I'm saying in my mind, there was some integrity to what I've done. Was it Bruce Wayne, the rich tycoon, or Batman, who was the imposter? Clark Kent, the reporter, or Superman? Hedy Lamar, the actress, or Hedy Lamar, who patented a radio system that used frequency hopping to allow the American military to send coded messages that its enemies could not decipher? Today we're talking about imposters, those who prey upon others while pretending to be someone else. Every con artist, every scammer is an imposter. They must pretend to be someone else to get the sucker to willingly turn over their money. They may be the new love you met online, the person who found a lot of money and will share it with you if you can keep the secret. They pretend to be a relative who's locked in a foreign jail and need you to send cash for bail. They might even be the neighbor you've known for years who encourages you to invest in a real estate plan that will make you rich. You saw a neighbor, but the imposter was always lurking inside. With time, patience, and the right circumstances, the con artist could emerge, make a score, then disappear, leaving behind confused friends and victims. CBS 4 in Miami talked with Jimmy Sabatino, whose voice you heard at the beginning of this episode, about how he ran his scams. He was sentenced to five years of hard time, but despite stealing hundreds of thousands of dollars, he believed he was on moral high ground. In September, Jimmy Sabatino was sentenced to five years in prison after he was caught scamming some of the biggest hotels in South Florida out of nearly $600,000. It was the latest chapter in a lifetime of cons that have gained Sabatino worldwide notoriety. You don't mind if I refer to you as a con man? No, how can I? What the past is my past is my past. I understand why someone would uh, refer to me as that, but don't define me. When he was 18, he somehow convinced FedEx he was the president of the Miami Dolphins and tricked them into turning over packages containing $268,000 worth of Super Bowl tickets. He did two years in prison for that crime. Impulse control. I don't think it through. I don't think the ending through. He pulled other capers, conning Nextel out of a million dollars in cell phones. But his most reliable targets have always been hotels. It's not as complicated as one might think it was. The reservation manager will receive a phone call. The conversation will be something along the lines of, this is so-and-so from Sony Music. I have a party coming into Miami. Uh, we're going to need to reserve X amount of rooms. He would then send a confirmation email to the hotel's finance department, pretending to be Sony's VP of Finance, James Harvey. In the case of all the hotels in Miami Beach, it was from a Gmail account. Here is one of those emails. We are requesting the direct billing of all charges, that is, room tax and all incidentals. The Hilton wrote back eagerly, thank you for the opportunity. I would literally scratch my head in amazement that it, it worked, that it happened. It defied logic. At the Omni Hilton, he reserved seven standard rooms and three presidential suites for more than two weeks. 
Why so many rooms? To hide all the room service charges. Basically, the greed that they have, and I play off their greed. Sabatino had 144 bottles of high-priced champagne delivered one day to the presidential suite. The tip, almost $11,000. Hundreds of other bottles were delivered to other rooms. How are you converting that room service into cash? You don't think I was drinking 500 bottles of champagne, do you? I don't drink some of the best clubs and high-end liquor stores in Miami. We're buying them at discounted prices. Let's now turn our attention to William Douglas Street of Detroit. For more than 40 years, Street assumed a number of identities, one of which got him a walk-on tryout with the Detroit Tigers. Along the way, he pretended to be an NFL player, a doctor, a lawyer, and was admitted as a student to an Ivy League school. Eventually, he was arrested for identity theft and mail fraud. But those weren't his only brushes with the law. He had 17 other convictions. Street's attorney told the Detroit Free Press that his client created personas as a way to get a job. His criminal past made it nearly impossible to be hired. He needed money to live on, so he became someone who could get hired and receive a paycheck. One of his employers told the Free Press that he was so good at the job that if he straightened out, they'd consider hiring him back. Now, the crimes we usually talk about on scams and cons are about money. But when it comes to impersonators, swiping cash isn't always the goal. Their actions are still criminal, but motives can be much more sinister. It's time for me to introduce Javier Leva. Javier hosts and produces a podcast called Pretend. It's about people who pretend to be someone else. It's a great podcast, and I highly recommend it. You'll find a link to it in the show notes. I invited Javier on the podcast to talk about imposters who aren't in it for the money. His thinking on that came after a conversation with his cousin. I knew that my cousin was a bad guy. Like, everybody has a black sheep in the family. And I knew that he was about to go to federal prison, but I didn't know why or I didn't know the details. So one day I said, hey, Eric, can we sit down? Can you tell me your story? I'm doing this podcast. And... And we sat down and he spoke to me for two or three hours. I can't remember, but he told me everything, everything from the time he was a small time crook breaking into cars to how that progressed to breaking into houses to insurance fraud where he was staging car accidents to the time where he really matured as a criminal and opened up his own health clinic, his own medical clinic, and hired a real doctor to write real prescriptions for opioids. And that ultimately led to his arrest, or one of the many arrests. But my jaw dropped when I heard that, because I I didn't know the details. And, And after that interview with my cousin, that's when I realized that Pretend is a show about deception. It's a show about con artists and trying to understand their motivation and their psyche. One of his earlier stories was about a man who was an imposter for the money, but also for the thrill. This guy, his name is Michael Torres, Dr. Michael Torres. And he is, claims he is a treasure hunter. 
that he finds all these exotic artifacts from like a Peruvian burial mask that he found off of the Florida shore and all these treasures that he finds. And, and this is a guy that wears a fedora like Indiana Jones and actually has worked for a treasure hunting company. But this is a guy that is just doing it for the thrill of it. And he will tell you, he is such a, a convincing liar because I think he's convinced himself that he is this Indiana Jones-like figure. <laughs> and it, 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 here's another case. That, that's just another case of doing it for the thrill of it. All of us are imposters from time to time. Sometimes it's just for thrills, and often it's just a way to get what we want. However, it's one thing to want a better seat at the bar, and quite another to take over people's lives. Javier's most recent series started as a stalker story but it evolved into a much more complicated and destructive tale that had nothing to do with money. Javier connected with a couple who claimed they were victims of a stalker, and they believed the stalker was a doctor and her husband. The woman said the doctor who had treated the woman's children was out to get her. Javier didn't buy it, the police didn't buy it, and the doctor and her husband denied it. But there was no clear path that led to the stalker. Javier and the police believed the woman whom he called Claudia, was stalking herself. I can never imagine putting my child through so many medical procedures or taking my child's rights away just because my, to satisfy that need, that craving for attention. So that, that's, what, that's the first barrier that people experience when they encounter a Munchausen by proxy case, is that they can't even conceptualize how this could be possible, therefore they dismiss it. And, and that, that scenario actually allows the Munchausen and the medical child abuse to continue. Munchausen by proxy perpetrators, they lack empathy. It, it is almost like a form of, I don't know, if it, a sociopath or a psychopath, however you want to des describe it. But they, in my mind, are very akin to, like, let's say, serial killers, where there's this emotional detachment from their victims, you know, like this is their kid. And yet they're able to drain blood out of their port or inject stuff into them so that they could appear sick make them vomit, you know, induce like so many symptoms that would lead them to have brain surgery, spine surgery, stomach surgery. I mean, they, there's no end and they're treating their kids as objects rather than this person that they, that came out of them, you know, like it, it seems unfathomable, right? The complete story of what the woman did and why her family accepted her fantasies as true is frightening. We can imagine how one person could be delusional, but how did she turn the rest of her family into imposters as well? Because I could understand how the mother could have Munchausen by proxy, but how could the father also shared this same view and he, they were so in sync in everything they were saying they were they were lockstep at every turn and so because of that i'm thinking there's no way that this father would allow this stuff to happen but the father wholeheartedly believed everything that was going on he went along with everything the mother said it was like jump how high you know that kind of situation and you know there's not a lot of research that has been done in this space in terms of munchausen by proxy but the research that has been done shows that, that a lot of times the fathers react this way. Claudia was a skilled scammer. In addition to convincing doctors to perform medical procedures on her children, 
She convinced child protection officials to give her custodial care of their finances and prevent them from making important decisions about their lives. As of this recording, we don't know how the story ends. New evidence has surfaced and law enforcement has renewed its interest in the case. When it does end, Javier knows there will still be more stories to tell and there's no end to the number of imposters around us. Almost like a drug addict, they have to one-up it each time. You know, like they, their fix needs to be a little bigger next time and, and they get savvier as they, as they refine their techniques. But yeah, I, I believe that the con artist is always there. It's just the difference is that we all probably have these inclinations, but we, we don't cross that line. The con artists cross the line, they get, they get some sort of kick out of it, and they, they do it again. You've likely heard of Munchausen's by proxy. It's a trope among cop shows. You've also seen stories about men married to two different women at the same time. It happens, and David J. Earnhardt almost pulled it off in North Buffalo, New York. Arrangements were all set for the wedding, but Earnhardt told his bride-to-be that he wanted to postpone it. She knew he worked undercover for the Department of Homeland Security, and he believed the wedding could impact a dangerous case he was working on. What was dangerous was that the 51-year-old construction foreman came to the attention of the FBI. He was charged with 24 counts of wire fraud two counts of impersonating a government agent, and one count of making a false statement to a government agent. Earhart also failed to tell his fiancée that he was already married. Married for 25 years to another woman, and that woman continued to live with him even after his crimes were exposed. All criminal charges were dropped when prosecutors allowed Earhart to plead guilty to a single misdemeanor that carried a maximum sentence of six months in prison. Prosecutors declined to say why those charges were dropped. Is Earhart the only imposter in this story? I don't think so. Prosecutors dropped 24 charges for a reason. Perhaps they didn't have the evidence, but they declined to say. Maybe Earhart was an informant after all. Construction has always been rife with corruption. Prosecutors may have become imposters themselves to protect him. Earhart's legal wife may have been an imposter, too. She told the free press that this was totally out of character for him. Did she know all along? Or couldn't admit she'd been duped for so many years? Earhart's attorney said his client took $72,000 over a period of months from his fiancée, but not for the purpose of defrauding her. His love for her was genuine. We'll be back in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Have you ever wondered about things that go bump in the night, or objects in the sky, or other things you just couldn't explain? Then join me, Jim Mallard, on my podcast, The Mallard Report. Each week, you'll find engaging conversations with guests who are authors, historians, and scholars who lend their expertise as we discuss current events and venture into the fringe and paranormal. The Mauer Report hits controversies head-on, yet remains conversational, and can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and 
any other major podcast platform.